Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Body Rappers, Angela Luzio is delighted to sponsor this episode of Conversations on Dance. Body Rappers, Angela Luzio is known for its fine, total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer with New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck Designs for Premiere. Tyler's beautiful, original designs fit perfectly, move well with the body, won't ride up in the back, and are ideal for class, rehearsal, and performance. Body Rappers makes additional apparel for all disciplines and significant to dance teachers this time of year. Body Rappers performance wear remix for competition and recital consisting of various components that can be mixed and matched to create a unique costume you won't see anywhere else, like the one featured in Body Rappers' ad. You may view all the products at bodywrappers.com or to purchase Body Rappers performance wear remix items, go to your favorite local dance retailer shop or online store. To view and buy the entire collection of Tyler Peck designs, go to dancewearcorner.com. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today we are joined by the editor-in-chief of Point Magazine, Amy Brandt. Amy invited us to the Point headquarters in New York City and gave us a tour of their beautiful offices before we sat down to chat. Amy danced professionally with Milwaukee Ballet and the Suzanne Farrell Ballet, among others. During her ballet career, she pursued her college degree part-time while also beginning to write for Point Magazine, starting with her advice column, Ask Amy. Amy graduated from Marymount Manhattan College with a BA in English and World Literatures and currently serves on its advisory board. She has been the editor-in-chief of Point Magazine since 2014. Today we talk with Amy about getting a college degree while dancing full-time, what she sees as her responsibility as the editor of the ballet world's most widely read publication, and some of the tough issues facing ballet today. So we are here with Amy Brandt today. The, Hi. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for having us here at the Point Magazine headquarters in New York. It's very fun to be here and see all the beautiful um, covers along the wall and the pictures around. It's yeah. great. And we'll definitely get into all the important work you're doing here with Point, but we want to start at the beginning sure. and um, find out uh, when you uh, first became interested in ballet and dance. Um. Well... 
uh, as a child, probably around age four. Um, I do remember watching The Nutcracker on television with Gelsey Kirkland and Mikhail Vershnikov mm-hmm. and um, just wanting to be a part of that like fantasy world mm-hmm. of ballet and begging my mother for ballet lessons. And so for my fifth birthday, um, one of my gifts was that I would start to take ballet class. So oh. that's how it started. Um, I really didn't enjoy it that much. Um, I, it was very structured. I was expecting it to be, you know, free running around with tutus and stuff. And instead you had to wear a uniform. I went to a um, a s- local studio in my hometown of Libertyville, Illinois, <laughs> a studio called Dance Center North. And I trained there my entire um my entire childhood and into my teenage years. Um, and I was a little disappointed at first, you know, until um, about nine or 10 years old when something kind of clicked mm-hmm. and I started to apply myself a little more and I started to receive more positive reinforcement from my teachers and also, you know, point shoes was looming in yes. the right. near future and suddenly I had a goal. That's so, always an incentive. <laughs> exactly. So that's kind of when um, I started to get more serious about it. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe my freshman or sophomore year of high school is when I really decided, like, I think I want to do this for a career. Mm-hmm. Um it was a little challenging. My studio was a good studio. It was strict. You know, the, the training was great. Um, but it wasn't a, a school where people went off and had dance careers. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, these were beautiful dancers that the school produced. But, you know, they'd go to college. They might minor in dance, major in business, and never, you know, really dance again. So I didn't really know how to pursue a dance career right right um and i had a teacher who who came into my life a little bit later who had danced professionally who was able to really mentor me and help me um but yeah i stayed at this school um throughout high school and went to summer programs at the milwaukee ballet school and supplemented my training at the ruth page foundation which is in chicago you know so on days off or Mm -hmm. summers you know any break i would try to take the train down to chicago and right. and take class there so um yeah that's kind of the extent of my right training so how did you end up at milwaukee ballet when you started your professional career well um i let's see it started with the summer program so um when i was a sophomore in high school i started auditioning for summer programs which now feels very late right uh-huh. <laughs> I know, I know. um but uh, and I, I auditioned for several, and um, I remember my um, brother was getting married that summer, and so I had very specific dates I had to work within. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And also, my parents really liked that it was kind of close. close. It was, you know, I where I grew up, I was halfway between Chicago and Milwaukee, and the Joffrey had not come to Chicago yet. They were still based in New York. Right. So, um, and they had also given me a scholarship, a small one, but... You know, so that was kind of, oh, okay. So I went there and I loved it. I had such a great summer. And mm-hmm. and um, and the next year I auditioned for other, um, other schools as well as Milwaukee. And I got a bigger scholarship the following year. So I went there again. And I had had such a great time that, right. I, that I went back. And then um, that second time that I auditioned, I had been approached by the school director. Mm-hmm. And he said, have you thought about our trainee program? 
And I said, of course. <laughs> and, um, and so I suddenly had an possibly an option. And he said, you know, if you, if you keep in touch and come here and, you know, we're interested in you. And it, so it was, it, it kind of planted a seed, right. you know, this thing that I wanted so badly, which was a dance cure. And now actually there's a place that is interested in having me come and study with them. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that's how that started. And then my senior year, you know, I had a choice from a few schools. I had gotten into School of American Ballet's summer program and was very excited about that. Yeah. Um, but I also, again, got it into the Milwaukee Ballet School, full scholarship, with another little chat right. about, would you be interested in being a trainee? And the summer serves as an audition period. And I remember talking to my teacher about it and being kind of torn. Do I go to New York to the School of American Ballet where I did not get a scholarship, mm-hmm. you know, and there was no you know, there's a big question mark. Or do I go to Milwaukee again um, and and try to get my foot in the door and, and become a professional dancer? So that's – and she encouraged me to do that. She, she said, they like you, mm-hmm. you know. I didn't have like a – you know, now looking back and looking at what kids do today where they like drop out of high school and they're homeschooled or they – go away to, uh, they move away from home. I didn't do that. I had a very normal high school experience. I was very involved at my high school and Mm. I was on the pom-pom squad somehow. (laughs) I had time for that. Um, You know, and I took dance class all night, every day. Right. Um, So anyway, it it just was nice to have a place that where I could, you know, with my limited training, I guess if you want to call it limited, Mm -hmm. I had a place to go. So that was just a natural fit so that had a very anxious summer there mm-hmm. you know hoping I would get in and I did get in and then through that I got an apprenticeship into the company and then stayed there so I mean it's there's a parallel to Rebecca's own career here and I know other people have done made the same choice where you know something like SAB may have been the dream for a lot of people mm-hmm. it's oftentimes the right choice to forego that to something that will uh offer rewards that are different yeah that mm-hmm. you know you, then you ended up dancing for the company there and rebecca yeah. uh went to miami city ballet instead of sab mm-hmm. and uh our good friend holly fusco did the same thing mm-hmm. so uh it can be you know that's i think important to to reiterate to our listeners that you know the the biggest choice the dream choice isn't always yeah. the right choice right. yeah and i had you know i'd done my research i had gone up to see their performances to see the company performances to make sure like is this the type of place i would like to dance and they had um a really um their repertoire had a lot of variety in it they did all the the, you know the full length 19th century classics and they did a lot of new work and they they did a lot of contemporary stuff too so um you know that's what i had wanted to do so um, i wasn't trained in the balanchine style which is Mm -hmm. kind of ironic that later on in my career i would join a balanchine company but um you know it just seems like a a good fit right i did sometimes i when i look back i think oh should i have you know had more variety in my training maybe gone to a different summer program Mm -hmm. you know maybe my career would have been different but um coulda shoulda woulda yeah it it, it all happens for a reason and sends you in the right direction yeah yeah so so let's talk about that balancing company okay Um, how did it how did you end up dancing and joining the suzanne farrell ballet well um let's see this was 2003 um 
we had a new director come in to Milwaukee Ballet mm -hmm. and he uh, did not renew my contract. So Ugh. I was left without a job. <laughs> How long had you been there at that point? Uh, eight years. Eight years. It was wow. really tough. It was probably the t one of the toughest um, times mm -hmm. I think yeah. of anyone's career because then yeah. you find you hear this news in like February or March and then you you've got yeah. months left <laughs> to go to work every day knowing you're you know, they don't want you. They don't really want you there. <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, it wasn't a good fit for myself, for me either. Mm -hmm. And I had also been kind of itching to get outside of Wisconsin, sure. you yeah. know, because I had not trained anywhere else really. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling a little insecure about that. And what else is there? And I remember in my meeting um, with Michael Pink, the director at the time, you know, and he'd asked me, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I think I'd really like to tour. I've never experienced touring. Yeah. And um, so I didn't even put that together with Suzanne at the time. Uh -huh. But, um, I, you know, I auditioned everywhere. I really didn't get hired. I didn't get hired. Right. <laughs> you know, every weekend you'd fly someplace. And, and it's interesting, especially I was older. I was like in my mid-20s. And mm -hmm. It was a different feeling than when you're 19, 20 and auditioning and you have no experience and you're just like desperate. This time I would go and audition. I'd be like, ah, I just don't feel it. I, you, you know, there's thought. nothing like I'm not feeling a connection with the city or this studio or what, you know. So um, my auditions weren't really working out. And it just so happened that um, – we were working on a, a new full-length ballet, Scheherazade, in Milwaukee mm -hmm. with Catherine Posen, and she had brought in her assistant, and uh, his name was Momchil Mladenov, and he was a soloist mm -hmm. with Suzanne. Mm -hmm. And I was chatting with him about, you know, I'm looking for a job, and he said, why don't you audition for Suzanne? And at the time, they didn't have a website. It, it was, the <laughs> company was very right. new. It right. was like, you know, um, I didn't know much about it. But I'd heard about it, sure. and um, I was obsessed with Suzanne as a little girl. Sure. Um, she used to perform with Chicago City Ballet a lot, and so um, I remember we went to, to go see her dance in Cinderella, and she was on Sesame Street, and all you know. And she had come and taught a master class in Milwaukee the year prior. So I had met her before and taken this class, which was very different than anything I'd ever taken. And so it, the audition was not until August. So, Ugh. you know, I moved, I left Milwaukee, moved back in with my mom and dad, was taking class in Chicago, trying to figure things out. And I'm like, well, I still have this one audition at the end of the summer that I can do. And so I just like kind of really honed in on that all summer long, going to class, preparing for this audition. And when I got to the Kennedy Center and took class with her, and she remembered me from the master class that she had taught in Milwaukee. And I, I felt that feeling, just that feeling of this is where I belong and I know this is where my future is. It was very strong. Hmm. And um, a couple days later, you know, they called me with, with the news that they were going to hire me. And it was a three-month contract. So the, it was a, you know, it was interesting because her contracts were never full-time. Right. Um. So it was about three months, but like touring the entire country, you know, every two days we'd be going someplace new with this amazing repertoire. So I, I couldn't wait. I, yeah. I jumped right on it. And at the time there had been some talk that it would become a 
more the, the contracts would become more substantial maybe the following year you know with some time but then that never quite happened so right. what kind of adjustment did you go through um now doing balancing technique and mm-hmm. dancing those ballets and moving faster maybe than your training had introduced yeah. you to it was revelatory mm-hmm. for me um it kind of makes me wish i had gotten some training sooner in that particular style it seemed um it was a tough adjustment um especially the center of weight you know in the fifth position but the mu- the musicality aspect of it was um it was like oh sunrise you know <laughs> um really amazing i i I just fi- kind of felt like I, my body took to it really easily. It, I mean, it was a learning curve for sure. It took right. about like a, a year. And then I moved to New York after that short season was over and took more classes in the style. Um, and yeah, it was tough. It was tough. But I overall, I really enjoyed it. And it was fun. It was fun to kind of immerse yourself it's in something nice. instead mm-hmm. of, you know, Milwaukee, we were always changing mm-hmm. things because we were doing – different, you know, contemporary ballet here, classical ballet here. So mm-hmm. you're always kind of dipping your toe. In, and then we do balancing, but I really didn't understand right. <laughs> the movement style at all. You know, you so you'd kind of dip your toe into these different styles. But to really immerse yourself in one style um, was really fulfilling. Mm-hmm. So uh, Yeah, that's come up a few times on the show. And, uh, you know, we it's not to make any sort of general statement or opinion, but there is value mm-hmm. in that. I think that people have, um, companies have gotten so obsessed with this idea of being the ultimate versatile dancer. Yeah. But sometimes um, just really immersing yourself in one thing can be really beautiful too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's painful to do all it's the painful. different, <laughs> yeah. All yeah. different yeah. techniques. It's, it's hard, hard on your body. Well, it yeah. was hard to go from, um, it's, you know, in Suzanne's company, we were wore point shoes for bar all through class. Okay. That was definitely an adjustment. Right. It's not something I was used to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in Milwaukee, sometimes we wouldn't even put our point shoes on in center, although most of the time we did. But, <laughs> but you know, it was like very optional, sure, sure. you know, but it, it wasn't in Suzanne's company. So that was kind of difficult, but I saw the value in it and, you know, eventually – Got the hang of it. Sure. My, yeah. it's, I have this um, screenshot of an article uh, in The New Yorker where mm-hmm. Suzanne's interviewed because it's just such a great quote. She was like, the repertoire is on point. You don't learn to dance on point by not being on point. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, my but. footwork improved so much. My footwork and my musicality working with Suzanne like went through this enormous change. Yeah. Um, for the better, I think. Do you have a specific memory of working with her on a ballet where she was coaching you? Because we hear so much about what a great coach she is. Yeah. Um, let me think. You know, I was in the core, so uh, I, I worked with her a lot, but but I didn't quite get the same like one-on-one mm-hmm. coaching with her. Um, I remember, so... I really appreciated her for this. So I never had, I've never had a great arabesque. My back was always pretty stiff and it like haunted me through my entire (laughs) career. And I remember the day I retired, I was like, I can't wait to never have to care about how high my arabesque goes ever again. But I always struggled with my getting my leg up in the back. And um, 
one time we were doing a school performance, I believe, um, at the Kennedy Center in their small theater up at the terrace, up in the, mm-hmm. in the terrace. And because of some injuries, we were doing Agon. And I always did the first pas de trois on Agon with mm-hmm. the two girls. That was, you know, one of my my things there in the company. And someone got hurt, and she needed someone to like kind of jump into the pas de duh. Mm-hmm. And so she's do you want to do this and i was like okay wow oh my gosh i never in a million years thought i would and can i do this i don't know if i can make these shapes you know because <laughs> um and i remember that that very particular moment in the ponche where the guy's on the ground and you're holding your leg and you mm-hmm. let go into yeah the ponche um and Every time I let go in rehearsal, I'd be like, "Ugh," because I just knew I didn't have that six o'clock right. ponche, and I was very self conscious about it. And I remember she, and the girl I was replacing was beautiful and you know had gorgeous extensions. And I remember her saying to my partner, "You know, Amy has a slightly longer line, so I think we need to alter, you know, the spacing of your grip and everything." She. It was just like I appreciated it a lot. It was very sensitive. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. she had him kind of shift where he was right. in order because, you know, obviously I wasn't going to be able to make the same shape. And, um, you know, and I was very touched that she had yeah. said it that way. Right. Instead yeah. Of just telling me to go to the corner and stretch my back. Yeah. So, um, Which is what I you would that. normally expect to hear. Yeah. And I was thrilled to just have the opportunity to to dance this role. I mean, I it was the only time I had ever done it. You know, I mean, afterwards, she didn't have me do it again. And it wasn't right for me or anything. But um, it was fun right. to work with her on that and to be able to, um, to learn from her in that right. particular role. So... And just as a little historical FYI, <laughs> Diana Adams didn't have crazy back flexibility I know, either. I know. Actually, it's funny. Um, a, a friend of mine in the company came up to me later and said, "Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that you looked really nice in that. You reminded me a lot of Diana Adams." Like, Diana you know. Adams is the originator so. of that role, just for our listeners who aren't right, up well, on I'm the sure. jargon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it made me feel good, yeah. you know. Of course. But then I went back to my usual role, which is where I pretty much belonged. So <laughs> <laughs> what a nice experience. Yeah. An opportunity to have that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Cause I feel like as dancers, we're always like, I want to do more. I want this. Yeah. And then we get a taste. And we're like, I want to look good. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be comfortable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you kind of like, after you've been dancing a long time, you know, your limits and your, yeah. what you really your strive in and right. everything. And I have, I have another fun story about her. It was my first year and I was, um, what she really values is that you get it the first time, like mm-hmm. that she doesn't have to repeat herself over and yeah. over. She wants people to absorb the information so we can move on. And um, I had to kind of learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, I don't know if that's just not the way we worked in Milwaukee, but it was something I had to really like, oh, okay, um, learn how to do a little more effectively. And we were doing Walls of the Flowers <laughs> outside of, Nutcracker, and we were on tour, and um, she was a little frustrated with me because I wasn't applying her corrections as quickly as she needed me to. And then I had a really great show. You know, it was chord to ballet, it was yeah. nothing, but I, you know, I, I but it's the kind of went out there and great, yeah, and and danced and felt really good about the performance. And I remember during the next that evening, she came up and she kind of 
came up and picked up my skirt and I had a little like thread hanging off and she just said, so that was good, you know, and it was just her little way of, um, that's so nice. I don't know. Just giving me some positive reinforcement. She, she doesn't dole out compliments very frequently, uh, you know, so you have to learn how to read. But that makes it so valuable but when it, it did. Does yeah, I mean, it was a really sweet moment. It yeah. was just kind of this little intimate moment we had where not much was said, but a yeah. lot was said at the same time. So I love her. <laughs> <laughs> I love to hear stories like yeah. that. It's always so fun to hear. So another thing that we talk about a lot on our podcast and we hear from parents that we talk to when we travel is, do you do ballet or do you go to college and you did both and while dancing full-time you um, pursued your higher education so can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe what some of the challenges were for you yes okay so my (laughs) parents and I had a a lot of arguments Uh, my junior and senior year of high school they did not understand this profession I wanted to go into Mm -hmm. and what do you mean you want to give up college who wants to give up college like everyone wants to go you know and um, we had struck a deal that they would let me go to Milwaukee and audition for this trainee program, mm-hmm. but I had to apply to colleges. We went and toured colleges. I was sort of, in, you know, kind of paying attention, but my heart wasn't in it. And <laughs> right. I remember opening, getting a letter from Butler, and and with it was an acceptance letter, and I cry. I started to cry, and I turned to my mother, and I said, now you're going to make me go, which <laughs> – which is so funny because maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but um, no, no. But you know, that's not where my heart was. I'm right. like, I really want to go to school, but I want to go to school to study like writing and English mm-hmm. eventually. Sure. And um, so we had a lot of arguments about that, but I kind of promised them, like, I will go back. Mm-hmm. Just trust me. And so one summer when I was injured, Milwaukee Ballet, I had a stress fracture. Um, I said, you know, maybe now's a good time to go to the University of Wisconsin and take a class. I'm not doing anything else, but Pilates and stuff. (laughs) So um, that's what I did. And I really enjoyed it. And there was a part of me that had always been a little uncomfortable that I wasn't in school. Mm -hmm. You know, my friends back home, many of them weren't dancers. They were all having these great college experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I did start going. I take one class a semester. um, And then in the summer, maybe I'd take two. Mm -hmm. And then after I left Milwaukee, I, I had to take a break for a while and I moved here. And so I took a few years off and then, yes. So I picked up again, um, at Marymount Manhattan college and yeah, it was kind of tough because my schedule was limited Mm -hmm. and what kind of courses I could take. So sometimes I didn't, I was taking courses. I didn't totally want to take but they just didn't have the time that I needed and so you were going into all these classes you yeah, were doing correspondence was, I or anything did a few uh, I did a few online courses actually I think I only did one mm-hmm. and then I I did a lot of independent studies which is part of why I went there mm-hmm. um they were really flexible with me I had a lot of like private college instruction <laughs> but um I did a lot of independent studies so if we you know especially if I were touring and things like that um but yeah, I would go in in the summer. They have a wow. winterum ske- uh, winterum semester, so it's like a four week mm-hmm. semester where you, cr- which was really tough. But usually, I wasn't working in January. I yeah. mean, there aren't a lot of gigs going on. So, sure. um, yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I remember taking a poetry class. 
and a German expressionism class in the month of January. And that was really hard. But, um, <laughs> you know, I got through it. And I did a lot of summer courses. Um, I did. It took me years. I mean, yeah. I think it took me like 12 years to final from the time I started to the time I yeah. finished. That's what I was going to ask. I think most answers that is the case because you yeah. simply can't. You, you just don't have the time to right. to yeah. plug away at a, a full time schedule. Money, really. I mean, it's yeah. hard, to, yeah. you know. And so the, the, towards the end, it started to get really hard academically. That's because I was in my senior level classes. Right. And I'd be on tour with Suzanne or we'd be in D.C. and I'd have to go to be exhausted, come home to the hotel, ice, eat, and then have to open up, you know, like, you know, Derrida and stuff like just really tough. Right. (laughs) right. Freud, you know, essays that I could barely understand and um, write a paper on it in my spare time. So, um that was hard. The last few years of school were really tough, and I couldn't wait to get out. Oh, I'm By sure. By the time I was, I was like, "Please get me out of here." Um, <laughs> but I'm really glad I went. I I minored in journalism while I was there, so I really that was another thing that made it difficult. To us. I was taking a lot of writing courses, and that's just a lot of it's time consuming. Time, yeah. And so I was studying English and a little bit of creative writing and analytical writing, and then also studying journalism as my minor. Mm-hmm. Um, so. so how did that end up coming together with your dance career, that resulting in you writing for dance publications? Um, it, was, it, it, it was really serendipitous. It just, um, what was I doing? I think I was looking up auditions and I went on Point's website and then in the corner in a little box, it said, be an intern at Point. And I thought, huh, I could do that. I'm a living, working dancer. I'm taking... I'm studying writing in college. Like maybe I should apply. You know, I don't really know how I'll do it with my dance schedule, but I'll see what I can do. And so I applied, and I did end up getting an internship with Dance Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of moved me into to Dance Magazine, and so for a semester, I would come in like two or three times a week when I was free and kind of learn the ropes of the magazine business, mm-hmm. and. Um, I did a lot of blurb writing, you know, small, short boxes in the back of the book and things like that. Um, but that kind of, after I was finished, they kept in touch, which I wasn't expecting. They actually gave me an assignment and I was like, okay, sure. And it was, they were going to pay me for it. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, whoa, well, maybe this can be like something supplemental while I'm right. dancing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it felt good because a lot of times when you're freelancing or you're not working, you know, you, there was a lot of m- long periods of time where I wouldn't be working. Mm-hmm. So you're answering phones, waiting tables, things like that. But this was something that where I was like, this could actually take me forward somewhere. Mm-hmm. It, it right. wasn't just like a kind of dead end job to make pay the bills. I could like kind of it could take me somewhere. And so, um, yeah, they started trickling in these little assignments and then the assignments got bigger and then more magazines started Mm. assigning me things. And then, um, actually I have an interesting story about the advice column if Mm -hmm. if you want to hear it, but, um, in 2000, so in 2000, I think it was eight, my father died while we were on tour Mm. and, um, I, 
was going through a really tough time for like the next several months. Yeah. And every time Suzanne's season would, would end, I would go through this kind of slump because, you know, you're, it's like the high was over and right. you, you got to get back in the grind, right. and, you know, find your next gig and things like that. And um, so I was having a really tough time just getting through class. Every, every pain, ache, missed turn felt like the end of the world. I just was not okay. in a good place. And I would go to class at steps and like every combination I would, this is how I got through class for like two months. I would just say, just finish the next one more combination and then you can go home. Like one more combination and you can leave. And right. I did that after every combination and that's how I like took right. class for two months. Yeah. So I was really like, I don't think I want to dance anymore. I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I think I'm done. I never want to like see ballet again. Mm -hmm. And that day, that very same day, like my phone rang and it was the editor of Point, Hannah Rubin. And it was right when I think Virginia Johnson had left. And so there was a big transition and they were changing a lot of things in the magazine. And she said, you know, I really enjoyed working with you as an intern because she was my supervisor. And she said, I'd really, we're going to start a new advice column and I want you to write it. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not really, I, why me? Like, I'm not a well-known dancer. I'm in the core. I, nobody knows who I am. Like, why would anyone want advice from me? Right. You know, and I don't even, I, I remember saying, I don't think I even want to dance anymore. <laughs> and I think it took her off guard. And, <laughs> and I said, well, let, you know, let me think about it. Let me think, I'll think about it over the weekend. And I hung up and I was really confused. And I called my mom and she said, are you nuts? You know, like, what are you doing? And, um. So after thinking about it for a while, I was like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I started to get excited about, about it. And I thought, well, I can't, I can't quit. Right. I can't be an example if I just quit right. dance. So sure. I, I, it like kind of gave me a renewed you. life. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, that kind of, and it added like another, I don't know how many years, five or six, seven years to my career. So and it was a very popular column. Yeah, I mean, I was really surprised. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, it's weird. I, I, um, you know, I mean, she had said, I said, why are, you, why do you want me to write this? And she said, well, you've, you've done, you've experienced a lot of different things, and you haven't had like a perfect career. She's like, I just think that you could. That's what's interesting to hear from. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. sometimes it's been hard because I've had to, you know, be very honest about my failures and things <laughs> through right. the column, but to, to like let the readers know they're not alone and and things like that so um so yeah it it, it was good I'm, I'm glad it happened i'm very grateful yeah. to have gotten that and to have a regular standing Dang. yeah writing gig was good so it's weird sometimes i run into dancers now who say oh i grew up reading you oh. i'm very weird yeah we will return to Conversations on Dance in a moment, but first we want to talk to you about the tights you're wearing. Are you sick of buying class and performance tights that rip after just a few wears? Sometimes you get them fresh out of the package and then suddenly a huge hole. Wouldn't it be great to find a pair that not only held up through tons of washes, but also looked great? 
What if they also improved your line and the way your legs recovered? That is why you need to try Zarelli. At Zarelli, a team of designers, engineers, physical therapists, and dancers have come together to create high-technology legwear that promises to improve your performance life cycle. There's a style for each cycle of the dancer's career, rehearsals, performance, and recovery. For more, visit Zarelli.co. That's Z-A-R-E-L-Y dot C-O. We are pleased to be able to offer our listeners a special discount. At checkout, simply enter promo code Conversations on Dance Zarelli, all one word. So we want to talk more about your work here at Point. Okay. And, um, what do you see as Point's mission in the ballet world? So our readership are primarily um, serious pre-professional dancers and young professionals. Mm -hmm. Although we have, you know, older professionals and a lot of just dance lovers. Um, But our main objective is to really help that reader kind of fulfill their dreams. Mm -hmm. So as you all know, (laughs) you know, the ballet world is tough. I mean, it's mentally tough. It's physically tough. It's very, very hard to break into. It's very hard to last. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that there's a lot that you have to cope with and learn how to deal with and you have to grow up fast. So for, for our team here, we just want to be able to give our readers the tools that they'll need in order to be successful as a dancer, or even if they decide not to become a dancer, or they, you know, that, that, um, you know, that they can have some self confidence, some agency, some knowledge going into it, not only of how to maneuver the ropes and auditions right. and things like that, but also just how to handle all the hard, heavy psychological stuff that comes with being a dancer. Right. So, well, like you were talking about earlier, coming from a studio that didn't have that pre-professional outlook in the same mm-hmm. way so many of us went to those studios yeah. at the beginning. And if you aren't in an area where you have access to a professional company to either mm-hmm. see them or interact with them, which is even less rare or less common, um, this kind of information can be so invaluable to try to understand yeah. the field you're trying to get into. And that's one thing that for us is kind of a mission too, right, is to try to provide um, insight and just information yeah. about what's coming and what you can do and how you can cope because you're yeah. right. It's, it's hard and it's tough. a challenge. It's wonderful, but it's tough. <laughs> wonderful, but tough. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And that's, that's something we've been thinking a lot about here, uh, like accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in our December, January issue, we were thinking about, you know, these kids are going to summer program auditions. Well, what if you live in mm-hmm. Nebraska where like going to a summer program audition is a, you know, an eight hour drive Gosh, and you've yeah. got to know what, which school should I choose? Right. Which mm-hmm. weekend out of my very busy life do I like pilot, you know? Right. And so we did a story for, like for that person, like, you know, like what, how do you plan your summer program auditions when you mm-hmm. don't, I was lucky. I lived between Milwaukee and Chicago you and could I just could do them all choose, back you know, forth, yeah. mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't have that, that advantage. Right. So, um, and we're, we're doing another story coming up too about like, paying for pre-professional training yeah you know like that it's expensive especially today when everyone's you know doing competitions moving away from home you know having to adjust their lives uh 
so what how do you pay for that right when you're not you know well off right so. well that's one of my the challenges too like i was speaking with some of my students that i teach and they said that they had wanted to go to SAB and then changed their mind and said, well, my parents said it's too expensive. Very common, very mm-hmm. normal. But I wanted her to go to the audition because it's yeah. still important to, that's still a masterclass with yeah, that right. teacher. But then it is a challenge for the parent to drive them down there, yeah. hoping and praying that they don't get in because then they're begging to go. Yeah. You know, so like that's a whole other yeah. game too. But it is if you are close to be able to go to these places to audition, mm-hmm. just such good experience just to be in the room with other people, better yeah. answers, right. see what's there because it can be very isolated in some of these smaller schools, smaller yeah. areas. And that's one thing I see in a lot of the questions that people send me for the advice column is there's just this anxiety of how do I how do I get there? I don't know what to do. Right. And and so we try to try to give them some um, ideas and tips on how to to do that. Um, we did another story, basically, you know, kind of. Do you need these like insane? professional credentials to get a job yeah and that was based on my own experience you know mm-hmm. going to my local studio and and sometimes I think could I have done it today right taking the path I took back then I don't know things today is, are yeah. so high pressure mm-hmm. um that's interesting so you know what are some ways you can succeed if you don't really have access to those things right right or parents who just aren't on board because my parents certainly weren't yeah. with some things. <laughs> yeah. Magazines get into the crux of some tough issues, issues for yeah. sure. <laughs> so speaking of tough issues, yeah. um, 2017 was a year of social upheaval and the ballet world certainly didn't yes. escape unscathed. <laughs> with Me Too spurring conversations about what is and isn't appropriate for the work atmosphere and two of the dance world's le- largest figures, Marcelo Gomez and Peter Martin su- succumbing to scandal. Mm-hmm. What is your your responsibility in covering these issues how do you find a balance between discussing these topics without offering overt political opinions yeah it's it's hard it's hard but um you know for me again going back to the point reader they are young they are desperate for you know <laughs> that career to happen or for attention you know attention so our biggest interest is them and what do they need to know going into these dance, their dance career about, how, you know, is it okay to say no? Like how, I mean, of course it is, but mm-hmm. how do we help them know that? Mm-hmm. That you can say like, no, this is inappropriate. Like, I'm not going to do this. And, I mean, un- you know, and deal with the it. consequences if there are, which, you know, hopefully there wouldn't be. But um, how do we help our readers be strong in themselves so that they know how to handle these types of situations. Because when you are young, when I think about myself at 18, 19, 20, I had no power. Like you don't have any power at all. You are completely kind of at the whim of the, of directors of the school or the company or, you know, your ballet master, you, you know, it's very hard to know how to, handle those situations. So that's one thing that we're talking about a lot here mm-hmm. is what kind of stories can we do to help someone in that position, in that early young position where they don't really have a lot of 
think it's power. A, it ties into so many other issues too. Mm-hmm. Um, we've definitely talked about eating disorders mm-hmm. a, a lot on the podcast, and it all goes back to the same uh, root that the desperation of a dancer. Yeah, you know that it's extremely competitive. You know it's over fast. Mm-hmm. Like you said, even if you do get in, there are so many other things that can um, detour you from right. a major career injury. Uh, not having your contract renewed because of whatever the company's financial status, things that have nothing to do with you. Yeah. So you resort to these things that you can control. Yeah. Like right. your, your eating or um, maybe um, the way you respond to someone who's being inappropriate. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it's okay to say no. And it's yeah. okay. I mean, it's okay to risk your career if it means, you know, or at least your place in, in this company, if this is the way you're being treated. I don't know. I, I yeah. you know, I, I was lucky enough not to have to deal with that. Um, but I think of other situations I was in when I was a young dancer and um, that I scratched my head at, you know, just going back to that balance of power. I mean, I remember being told I couldn't go to my grandmother's funeral. Of course. Yeah. You know, I, I almost couldn't go to my sister's wedding. I, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I have one sister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it yeah. was like, I was asking for one day. I yeah. was a trainee and it was, and again, not uncommon. Yeah. And you know, in the great. back of uh, not an important, <laughs> not an important person in the, in the exactly. cast, you know, I was in the back line, but Oof. I mean, I was, I went, I was able I, I, just kept asking different people in power <laughs> until someone said yes, but um, it was devastating and, and of wrong. Course, if you hadn't gone, you would have been like in the back of the studio all day, just like yeah, so it just felt very upset. unreasonable. Yeah. Um, and so then you get the response of, "Well, that's how it was for us." Yeah, oh. but did that make you feel good? I don't think so. No. So <laughs> yeah, there. Are, it is. It's a really. It's really hard to be in that spot right. to be that age. Yeah. So speaking of the changes that are happening at New York City Ballet as a leading voice in the ballet world at one of the most trusted publications, what effect do you think the leadership changes at New York City Ballet will have on the dance world as a whole? And what effects should it have? That's a great question. Um, well, I think it could potentially have a huge effect if, if done correctly, you know, if done right. Mm-hmm. Uh and if done wrong, also. And if done wrong, yeah. Um, I mean, they're really, Peter Martins was the most powerful man in ballet, yeah. at least in North America, you yeah. know. Right, um, right. And, you know, I don't know the details of what happened there, but, uh, but beyond what's been reported in the New York Times and the Washington Post. But um, I'm hoping that that with this leadership change, there will be more um, transparency, more um, structure in place Mm -hmm. to protect people from this type of behavior. Um, And uh, hopefully it will give the dancers more of a voice. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't really know how if they're going to give the position to one person, if they're going to do something like what they have in place now, where there's four different mm-hmm. people kind of managing sure. different aspects of it. But um, yeah, I, I think we're all looking to them mm-hmm. to see what, 
how they're going to handle this and to see, you know, they're kind of setting an example now going forward. Well, I think one thing that's interesting, especially about what's been reported is in one of the articles they said, um, talking about like someone, you know, Peter told me I was fat and then I had an eating disorder and that, that was one thing to me that I said, he thought like that's across ballet as a whole. That's yeah. so common. So is that going to be then a part of the conversation as a whole, not just like that's what happened at New York city ballet because right. Right. it's You're wondering, so broad. Yeah. There's so many. The scope yeah. Is much so wider than just Peter Martin's may or may not have done X. And that's that right. X company. Yeah. is affected this way. Right. It really is. <clears throat> and do dancers have a place to go mm-hmm. when things like this happen? I mean, a lot of these are, I think, I, I don't think, I think they have an HR department now, but it, mm-hmm. some of these stories before, from right? a long time ago. And I'm trying to think, like, did I? I mean, we had the union. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, do dancers have a place to go, mm-hmm. like, where they can right. complain? And, yeah. <laughs> and get the support um, they need. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the weight thing is, is I mean, I see that prevalent yeah. Yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah, and we have a story in our December issue about that, actually. Probably it's probably about surviving the fat talk and oh. what, how to identify what's toxic. Like if you're in a toxic environment and when it's, you know, actually just not real. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or when, kind of, when, when it's, when it's actually it just like out, out of concern. Sure. You know, gotcha. Um, <laughs> I took it to a place of like when it's not real because I sometimes yeah, use it as, as like sometimes a, you don't oh. agree. like as an escape mechanism. That's true too. That one's seen it happen oh, oh i mean like 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 we just don't actually like you but we're gonna tell you you're fat yeah. and that's why you're not here. yeah you're not then you're just like, because, no i'm fat but it is it, that is but it, yeah exactly sometimes it's it's thrown at dancers as a way of telling you that they're dissatisfied with you in some yeah. other way yeah right. it's like a scapegoat for yes. the larger problem yeah. but you have to read between lines which again is ridiculous yeah. right that's hard <clears throat> yeah so yeah there are a lot of things that came out up out of this whole situation right. at new york city ballet with physical violence, mm-hmm. weight, and body shaming, and, and uh, sexual harassment. And so, yeah, it, did, it brought a lot of ballet's demons out, I guess. Yeah, out in yeah. the open yeah. in the New York Times. So, Well, <laughs> we look forward to seeing uh, hopefully some positive changes to the dance world because yeah. of this, even if it is a really difficult time for yeah. Not only that company, but I think the ballet world at large. Yeah. And we will be looking to Point Magazine to keep us up to date Thank on you. what is happening. <laughs> so that brings us to our final section of our interview that we like to call our lightning round. Okay. So we're just going to ask you a few quick questions and sure. you answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. All right. So what is your favorite onstage moment from your career? Oh, diamonds. Um, uh, that very, very... That moment when you're everyone's on stage at the finale and you're in that fourth position on point and the music just starts to swell right mm-hmm. before the mm-hmm. da, da, that part. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's so my wonderful moment. Mood. <laughs> chills. chills. Yeah, I, chills. Really I knew that was the part you were. <laughs> yeah, I knew because it's it's so the same. Yeah, when you're all just on stage like choking back tears. Oh yeah, the mm-hmm. first time I did it, I was like, I remember when we did it in the studio, I was like, I'm gonna cry on stage when this yeah. happens. And I was on stage, I was like, I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. I knew it would happen. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, what's one thing you'd like to see more of in the ballet world? Yeah, on stage or? Um, hmm. uh, yeah, we didn't really flesh this. Jobs. Well. Jobs. 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 That's Great see. question. Or yeah. answer. Great answer. <laughs> um, one thing you'd like to see less of? Um, non-paying jobs. 
<laughs> that's, that. so, that's really that's great. Or just sort of these kind of um, uh, intermediate people get stuck in these sort of intermediate yeah, positions. labor. Yeah. Very, very yeah, I'd real. I'd like to see those yeah. become a little more successful. And, and talking about like, des- not desperate, desperate is the wrong term, but just like very eager yeah. students are just going to be like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. It's easy to get kind of stuck in then going from second company, to second company, to second company, to second company. Yeah. I mean, at least it's something, but it also kind of kills your Yeah. I know people who have spent four years yeah. in second companies before yeah. they got a major job. It's yeah. just like at that point. Yeah. The, yeah I mean, yeah. You've been getting paid nothing and <laughs> used. Yeah. <laughs> um, article that you've written that you are most proud of. Ooh. Hmm. Article I've written that I'm most proud of. I have to think about that. Um, one that was hard for me to write, but I'm glad I wrote it. It was called You're Fired, Now What? Because I had to to get really personal and yeah. talk about stuff I really didn't feel like talking about. But... <laughs> um. Um. I think it was one of my better ones. Yeah. So I feel, I mean, people don't realize how many people get fired in the bathroom. It's hard because oh, then about, you have to keep going to work. It's not like you pack up your box and leave. Right. You have no, to no. Keep, amongst, you have to fulfill your. Yeah. Um, I feel like amongst my close friends, Rebecca, you might be the only one that's. Guys, I never made it out <laughs> yet. <laughs> but yeah, there. I like. I remember at one point sitting with a group of friends. It was maybe like five or six of us, and I was like, "Oh, we've all been fired." Yeah. <laughs> and everyone is a dancer of real value and talent. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't mean anything. And so there's you know, so many. It just happens. Cir- extenuating circumstances. Yeah. Like we're saying yeah. budget or yeah. injury, director injury. Yeah, so exactly. many things. So uh, for last question, uh, what's your dream project for Point Magazine? Ooh, dream project. Sky's the limit. No budget. Gosh. <laughs> um, some really wonderful video series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just did. We just um streamed a full length ballet. Okay, so this is going back to accessibility. Mm-hmm. We just streamed Scottish Ballet's Fairy's Kiss for mm-hmm. two weeks. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, and because someone had pitched me a story of ballet teacher, like, what do you do when? She's like, you know, a lot of my dance students like don't see ballet, right. like mm-hmm. live ballet. Like they don't they have a chance they to. They're there. busy yeah. and they can't get there. And so um, if we could do more of that, that would be great. Or just more um, working more with the video platform, I think, with everything moving in a digital direction as far as media is concerned. Anyway, I think that's important. And dance is a beautiful art form. Yeah. You it know, lends itself well to that. Visually. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh. So I think if I could... Had the time and the money to like really do that. Going. One idea I had was like like a legacy series, like like video interviews with um, just some of the great mm-hmm. dancers of the 20th century, you know, Jacques yeah. Dumbois, Arthur Mitchell, you know, all, um, I would love to do something like that. So, so would, would we. We. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to do that. Give us a call. Yeah. <laughs> if that ever happens. Yeah. And you need an interview, some interviewers. Cool. Here All we right. are. All right. Well, thank, thank you, Amy, you so, so much. much. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us this week on Conversations on Dance. Every Monday, we release a new episode with the dance world's best and brightest. To be notified of a new episode, subscribe now on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at Conversations on Dance for additional content and new episode alerts. Thank you for joining us this week on Conversations on Dance.